Hello and welcome to Rando Rob. Each week on Rando Rob, I'll be showing and discussing one item from my large collection of collections. New shows appear every Monday and throughout the week, I'll be adding older episodes of Rando Rob that were previously only available to my Patreon subscribers. You can watch episodes of Rando Rob on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Just look for the Rando Rob playlist. Audio versions of the show are available on my website at podcast.robohara.com or through iTunes. Just search for Rando Rob. Thanks for watching or listening, and I hope you enjoy this vintage episode of Rando Rob. Uh, one of the things I was going through was some of my Commodore 64 stuff, and I ran across an item that I thought I bet nobody here has seen before, probably never heard of before, uh, and it... You can see on the picture, I almost got that right, on the picture here, I have a picture of a 1541-2 disk drive. Now, most people, I know I do, when I think of a 1541 disk drive, I think of the tan, big, heavy brick disk drive. Uh, that was the same color, uh, more or less, as the Commodore 64. And uh, when they came out with the C64C, the second model that more closely remembered or uh, resembled the wedge shape of the Commodore 128 and that kind of light uh, off-white color, they re-released the 1541 disk drive as a 1541-2, which is what uh, this is a picture of, a 1541-2 disk drive. And it was much smaller and lighter, partially, thanks to the fact that the power supply was separate. It plugged in and it had an external uh, power brick, which made the drive itself not get so hot. And uh, so anyway, that was called the 1541-2. But the thing that I'm betting that most of you have never seen or heard of is a 1541-3. Now, uh, I'm betting if you have been playing around with Commodore 64 stuff in the modern era, uh, you have probably either purchased or at least familiar with one of the many disc loading options or alternative disc loading options. Uh, I would, for example, the 1541 ultimate, you know, which was a, uh, a device is a device that you can plug into your Commodore 64. And then the older ones used SD cards and newer ones use uh, USB, but it's a way to load, to access, uh, what I call, you know, virtual disc images like D64 files and load and copy and interact with them as if they were actual floppy disks. Um, but if you go back, uh, you may remember, you may be familiar with the, um, I have to look at my notes here. Uh, I always mess up the name of this thing, the SD, SD2 IEC. I'm sure you've probably heard of those. I think the future was eight bit sells those. There's a few other websites that sell them, but they're small devices where you can put an SD card in and connect it to your Commodore 64 and you can load and they don't have uh, the exact same compatibility that the 1541 ultimate does, but they've, they've gotten much better over the years. Of course, there's uh, the um, Kung Fu flash cartridge that I mentioned on a recent podcast. Uh, there, there's lots of different ways to do that. Right. But, Back in the mid 2000s, uh, it was pretty difficult or, or, you know, so we had, uh, on the PC side, they had these cables, these crossover cables, X 1541, XE 1541, and all these weird cables that had parallel ports 
on one side and then the Commodore serial port connection on the other side. And those allowed you to connect a 1541 disk drive to your PC. And that allowed you to copy real floppy disks into DC64 images. Uh, but you could also go the other way. You could make real floppies. You could take virtual disk images and, and put them on a real floppy. But on the actual Commodore itself, we were still limited to the original hardware. I mean, we had disk drives and, and computers and that was it, right? So uh, if you wanted to, like if someone released a new game and they released it in DC64 format, you had to have one of these devices to be able to dump that onto an actual floppy disk and carry that floppy over across the room and put it in your, your Commodore computer and play it that way. And so anyway... Uh, this device was released. This guy came out with a release. I remember hearing about it uh, in the mid-2000s. This was 2006. This was the same year that I wrote Commodore. Uh, and I got this around that same time. And this, I'm going to move my windows around here just a second, uh, is a 1541-3. Now, it's not an official Commodore product, but obviously the naming implies that we had the original 1541. We had the 1541-2 that I have pictured over there. And then this is the next generation, which is the 1541-3. This is the case uh, that it came, that it shipped in. It's a plastic clamshell type, uh, you know, almost like a VCR kind of case. It might be a I think it's just a little smaller. I don't think a VHS tape would fit in this, but it's it's very close. Um, on the back, it explains that the 1541.3 is a hobby project designed to be used on multiple platforms. And then it says VIC-20, C64, etc. Uh, and that's why it doesn't require special driver software or cartridges to function. It plugs into the IEC bus. This is the Commodore serial bus most commonly used for disk drives and printers. The 1541.3 has become a practical device that connects a modern storage media like MMC slash SD cards to a classical computer. So uh, this was, I, I can't say that it was the first, but this was the first that I ever heard of. Uh, of a way to load games on a Commodore 64 uh, without actually using vintage hardware, vintage, like real floppy disks and real disk drives. You can see a little bit there. Um, there's some, some pictures. And so the way that it works is once you put uh, uh, your, uh, so you put your SD card that has, uh, in fact, there's a picture of it here. You put your SD card um, here into this uh, slot. And then you have uh, buttons that help you determine uh, to, to select the image or do different things. But you can do all that through the command line as well. And then you just load uh, the, the file name of the disk.d64,8 and do a list. And then that opens that DC64 file. And once that file is open, you can load and run programs. Now, uh, this is a very, uh, I don't want to say primitive because compared to what we had at the time, it seemed very advanced, but compared to what we have, uh, the solutions that we have available to us now, it's pretty primitive. Um, this is not like 
an ultimate 1541 that is actually emulating a 1541 disk drive. This is an interface that allows you to load those files through this little microcontroller uh, onto the Commodore 64. So what does that mean? It means it's not 100% compatible with a Commodore 64 disk drive. Now that's a term that all of us grew up hearing on lots of stuff. I mean, even third-party disk drives weren't 100% compatible, but this definitely has some limitations. Number one, it can't save, it can't write back to those images. So this is a, a load only. Now for playing games and different things like that, that works great. Uh, once you get into, if you're trying to play adventure games and save your progress, it can't do that. Uh, if you're trying to write programs and save them back, it can't do that. So that's uh, one downside. Uh, another downside in the, uh, well, like on uh, some of these other devices, I don't, I don't know how well this chains. I haven't tried it uh, in a long time, so I don't remember, but I don't feel like it was very good if you hooked up a, uh, a physical hard drive first in the chain, and then you added this as the second device in the chain. Um, also, it requires uh, the user port uh, for power. So if you're trying to use it with other accessories, you can't uh, necessarily do that. I think it, actually it's the, I feel like it's the cartridge port, or not the cartridge port, the uh, uh, data set port. Uh, but that can't, I don't know if that's right, because then you wouldn't be able to use it with the uh, SX64. But may, maybe that's the case. I just don't remember. Uh, anyway, I'm blabbering here. This is the device. And so uh, at the top there, uh, you can see, oh, well, I've kind of got it upside down. Uh, there's an access at the bottom. There's lights for uh, accessing the drive when it's loading. There's a power. And then you have three little switches over here uh, or press buttons that would do things on the LCD screen. And then uh, you can switch. I guess you could. There's a dip switch over here to switch the ID. So by default, uh, it's eight. There's a power on and off. Um, and then there is a bootloader switch, which I honestly don't remember what it did. But uh, here you go. Here is the 1541.3. And so again, well, my fingers are kind of covered the uh, buttons, but uh, there's uh, those buttons that worked on the LCD. Uh, nothing on this side. This side has your... Uh, uh, nothing there, I meant. Uh, this side has your dip switches. You can see there that correspond. It kind of tells you what those do on the front. And then the um, other end, down here we've got the uh, power connector. And then we have the uh, Commodore 64 serial connection. So this would be plugged in just like a disk drive. These would go to the back of your Commodore computer, uh, one for power, one for data. Uh, you would put your SD card here in the bottom, turn this on, and then if memory serves me, you could use these press buttons to scroll through and select the disc that you wanted to insert, or like the back of the box says, you could just load those uh, through the command line. And then once it was loaded, then you could load uh, your software. Um, not great compatibility. Uh, anything that had a fast loader and anything that had copy protection would not work. So anything 
Um, also, anything that I don't think it supported G64 disk images um, and nothing with uh, like .71 or .81. So strictly DC64 disk images. So if you had images of games that were downloaded off of BBSs, especially games that were just single file type games, it worked pretty good. Uh, I don't think that I had it that long because I think the ultimate uh, 64 or no, the uh, uh, 1541 ultimate came out within two or three years after this. So there was a, a quick progression of, of different devices. Now, I do know that there was a, uh, if you're familiar with Ben Heck, Ben Heck did a Commodore 64 laptop and he used a modified version of the 1541.3 uh, without the uh, screen or anything, just the controller that was inside and put that in the laptop. There was also a project for the D or no, the, um, oh gosh, what was it? The, uh, the joystick, the DTV, the C64 DTV. Uh, there was a lot of different projects that allowed you to hack that thing. Uh, and hook up real disk drive, real keyboards, and all kinds of fun stuff. And there was a project that used that same controller, the 1541.3. Uh, I want to read, I've got this, uh, there is actually a Wikipedia entry on the 1541.3. Uh, and it talks down here, it says it was uh, made by Jan Derji in 2006. It goes down, the software, blah, 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 it uses a PIC 18 high tech compiler. Um, but it says, although it was, op it was open source, but it was compiled with a special compiler that the general public didn't have access to. And so that's why it wasn't really picked up by the open source community. Uh, but this is the part I wanted to read. It says, however, the device has made an impression on the Commodore scene and other people were inspired by this design and started to make their own. For example, the MMC to IEC was also strongly inspired by the 1541.3. The MMC to IEC evolved into the SD to IEC, which was developed into a device with much higher compatibility to the original disk drive than the 1541.3. So, that's kind of the lineage. This is uh, the first of those uh, devices, and this uh, inspired uh, a lot of those devices, and, and it kind of created uh, the what we have today, which is loading software. Like, I never use a real disk drive on my Commodore 64 anymore unless I'm archiving stuff, moving things back and forth. And when I do that, I do it on my PC. I use uh, the uh, Zoom floppy. USB interface and a, and a disk drive hooked up to my PC. And that's how I move data back and forth. So very rarely do I move things between DC, uh, you know, like disk images and physical stuff on actual Commodore 64 itself. 99% of the time, uh, it's loading things from it's, you know, loading things from uh, a USB stick. I'm trying to think, uh, I mean, r behind me over in the corner, I have my real Commodore 60, uh, gosh, I'm just getting tongue-tied in this one. My real Commodore 64 with a Ultimate 1541 hooked up, and then I have a C64 Maxi hooked up over there. And I did have my bare metal, the BMC64, but I took it down temporarily just because I um, I have two Commodore 64s tying up an eight-foot table, and I just didn't have room for a third that did the exact same thing. So I temporarily broke that down. Um, but... You know, both of those load games off of USB sticks. 
Um, so unless I'm breaking out my SX64 and playing games off the physical disc just for nostalgia reasons, uh, USB is kind of kind of taken over the way that I access software. Also, I have uh, underneath this table, you can't really see it, but there is a giant Rubbermaid storage device uh, with, with drawers that pull out that has 2,000 vintage floppy disks in it. And uh, you couldn't lift it. It weighs too much to lift. But I have 10 times that amount on a USB stick that is this big. I mean, literally, it's a 64-gig stick that's this big uh, that has the entire collection that I sync up and move back over to those machines on occasion. So uh, there's something to be said for that. I'll give you that for sure. So anyway, the 1541.3 is kind of this weird little footnote in history. It's kind of, I feel like it's something that started the ball rolling with that started that mentality of loading, uh, things on real hardware, but with a modern floppy drive replacement. I think these are kind of rare. I don't think that necessarily makes them valuable. I think value comes from a desire for people to want to own something. And unless you are a weird historian or a guy like me that was uh, buying things the minute that they came out, I just don't see somebody wanting one of these. I can't think of a scenario where you would want this, where something like that, uh, a Kung Fu cartridge wouldn't also work. Um, there may, may be a scenario I'm not thinking of, but um, uh, even the, like on a VIC-20, they have the cartridges, flash cartridges with games and stuff on them. So uh, I just can't imagine this being the best solution at this point for any scenario. There may be one out there I'm not thinking of, but uh, the scenario that I have is that it sits on my shelf and uh, I haven't had a reason to talk about it for many years until just now. So maybe I've been saving it all this time uh, for it to make an appearance on a rando Rob video. So. Anyway, that is the story of the 1541-3. I have many other things to talk about and many other stories to tell. So, again, thank you guys for your support. I am editing. Uh, I kind of stopped late last night, so it'll be out tonight. But I was editing uh, Cactus Flax, which will be out tonight. And then I'm going to try to get back on that same week schedule and get an episode of Sprite Castle out before the end of this week as well. It'll definitely be out and just, it'll be a matter of, will it be Friday or Saturday or Sunday? So, um, hopefully Friday is what I'll shoot for, but, uh, I'm not a reliable narrator when it comes to my own release date. So we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, Cactus Flax will be out tonight and I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. So guys, thank you for everything. And you'll be hearing from me very soon. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for everything.